Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. All right, by a show of hands, if you're willing, and if you're comfortable and courageous enough, how many of you enjoy roller coasters? All right, we all need to get a bus and then go to Magic Mountain and enjoy it. And my wife's going, bye, have fun. Take the kids. No, it's a roller coaster enough, right? Life is like a roller coaster. My favorite thing about roller coasters is the like, and every one of you who have ridden a roller coaster knows that sound really, really well. And those of you who hate roller coasters don't ever like that sound. And then that moment when it stops, and it drops you, and you're swirling around, you do loops here and there and everywhere, and you're like swirling around everywhere, like, ah! Some of us, when we ride roller coasters, we go like this. Some of us, we ride roller coasters, we're doing this. Some of us are holding on for dear life, and it's just spinning us around and around and around and up and over and around, and corners that you see that coming, you're like, oh, I'm ready, and then whips you around another way, and you go into dark tunnels. It is a fantastic ride. I love roller coasters. I think life is a lot like a roller coaster. It has ups and downs. It has loops. It has the little like butterfly thing. You go this way and that way. And it has the corkscrew. You're going around and around and around. And you're feeling the G-forces. And life for Jonah is certainly a roller coaster. He, has, he hears from God. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we're, getting, we're concluding a series on Jonah. We started four weeks ago. I had the, the privilege and the honor of, of opening the, the, the series in Jonah chapter 1, and Pastor David filled in in chapter 2 and 3, and I get to be the closing mark of it. And I hope and I pray that as we review a little bit on Jonah's life, and then we move into chapter 4, that God presses in on us just a little bit harder than he normally would and reveals in us something that has been bubbling up that needs to be worked on. But we remember and we know Jonah's story fairly well, right? The word of the Lord comes to Jonah. says, go to the great city of Nineveh in chapter 1, and Jonah goes the other way. Right? Nineveh is east. He goes west. We don't know why. He doesn't tell us. Chapter 1 doesn't tell us why. We just know that the wickedness of Nineveh reaches God and God sees it. And he calls Jonah and says, Jonah, I need you to go and proclaim a message to, to the Ninevites. And Jonah goes Instead of going east, goes west, gets on a ship, heads towards Tarshish, and meets a crew of really good sailors. <laughs> and God provides a wonderful storm that throws them for a loop. They're scared. They're praying to their gods. Every god they can think of, they pray, they're praying for. And Jonah's, <laughs> he's below deck, having a siesta, just enjoying the ride, sleeping soundly, I think. 
And the, the, the ship captain comes and wakes him up, and ultimately Jonah finally says, you know, the, the storm is because of me. If you throw me overboard, God will relent, and the storm will subside, and I will die. You'll be okay. And eventually, we know the story, throws him overboard, and he is in the water, recognizing, and come, he's come to grips with his mortality, and he's going to die. The waves are breaking on him. He's probably wrapped in seaweed and it's just a mess. And he comes to a final peace and God provides a big fish and gobbles him up. And that's what we know. We know this wonderful story because we've heard it in our Sunday school lessons because we've had faithful teachers who teach us. As we continue to to dig into God's word, I think we're going to uncover some wonderful messages that God has for us this morning, right? He's in the belly of a big fish. It's slimy, it's nasty, it's dark, and then he realizes, wait, I'm not dead. Hey, I can breathe. Okay, what am I going to do now? And he does something that is absolutely beautiful. He prays. He asks for God's mercy. God, have mercy on me. He prays for God's salvation. He prays to be saved, and he says, those who cling to the worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs, but I, 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 with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed, and I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. That is his prayer and his proclamation. What a beautiful moment. And God redeems him and saves him from it. God commands the big fish to spit Jonah out on dry land. I don't know what it would be like to be spit out on dry land by a big fish. I don't want to know. I know we learned a couple weeks ago that there is a diver who knows what it's like to be spit out of a a big fish or a whale um, as he was diving for lobster in Maine. We learned that story. It's kind of an interesting thing. But Jonah this time hears the word of the Lord because it comes to him a second time. And instead of fleeing, we, we know what that's like. We know when God calls us and says, we, hey, hey, John, I want you to go to, and I go, oh, sorry, I didn't hear that part. I lost uh, my cell phone signal. Must be uh, a little bit weak. Hang on, God. Let me see if I can get a different place. Right? We, we do that all the time, but God comes back to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach this message. Preach the message that I sent and I give to you. And Jonah, he obeys. And I'm thankful that he obeys. The message when he gets to Nineveh is not one that uh, I think pastors or prophets um, like to proclaim, right? The message is quite simple. 40 more days, Nineveh, and you will be overturned. Uh, I don't think so. Not the one that's like, hey, come on. I want, you to, I want to introduce you to a God who is loving and compassionate. No, his message is 40 more days and God's judgment will be upon you. You will be overturned. The message filters through the communities. It gets out. And the best part about it is they hear it and they believe God and they repent. They From the greatest to the least, they fast and they mourn. They put on sackcloth. This is all in chapter 3 that takes place. Message gets to the king. The king of Nineveh makes a a universal decree. And he says, every man, child, woman, beast, 
animal, flock, whatever you are, you're going to fast. No food, no drinks, nothing. And I want you to put on sackcloth. And I want you to pray. And maybe God, God might relent from this and save us. When God saw that their hearts were turned towards him, and they turned from their evil ways, God had compassion. And he didn't bring on the the destruction that had threatened them. What a beautiful picture. A prophet who successfully does what God asks him to do. We should be celebrating. Jonah should be celebrating. What a wonderful thing it would be like me saying to the congregation, to all of you, go love your neighbors. And guess what? All of you get up and you go absolutely love your neighbors. And we know the definition of love is to will the good of another. You do that for everyone who is your neighbor. You would go do that. I would celebrate. It would be a joyful day in my life and in your neighbor's life and in your life. But Jonah responds quite differently than that. If you've got your Bible, let's go to uh, chapter 4 and pick up where Jonah responds. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, a God who is slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Isn't that the message we like to hear, we want to hear? But that's not the message he communicated. And then he says, Now, O Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied to Jonah and said, Have you any right to be angry? And Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what happened to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed up the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, and he wanted to die, and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? But the Lord said, and, he, and Jonah says, I do, I, he said, I do have a right to be angry. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you, you've, found, you've been concerned about the vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. You sprang, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Let's go back for a moment. He preached the message. The Ninevites responded. But he didn't like it. It displeased him, and he got angry. I can't tell you. We were, um, this just kind of shocks me and blows me away. Why 
Why a prophet who would proclaim a message and the people respond in favor of that message that he would be disappointed and displeased and then get angry about it? Why his anger? I, I, I'll tell you this. Um, we were, I had opportunity with Rick Moore um, in 2014 to go to Ethiopia. Uh, the mission committee had received news that hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of people, men and women, were, were following Jesus, were leaving Islam and following Jesus and being baptized. And the mission committee said, what? How wonderful is that? They celebrated. The, the people in Ethiopia would hear the message of God and then respond. So we responded and Rick Moore and I got to go. And I remember we, we were in a kind of a smaller SUV and, and we pull into a compound. The door opens and closes. We pull in and, and there is this wonderful celebration taking place. It's beautiful. My heart leapt for joy. I couldn't believe it. Men and women, 50, 60 men were being baptized. Huge trough. And they're singing, praising God. And I'm like, this can't be real. And as I watched them profess their faith and praise Jesus and be baptized, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I broke out into tears. I celebrated. That's the response we would expect from Jonah. But he's angry. Why? Why is this prophet angry? Well, there's a couple of, a couple of reasons why he might be angry. First, he um, actually, let me go, he, he tells us why he's angry, right? This is the very first time he actually tells us why he's angry. He says, is this not why <laughs> I left? I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. That's the God that I know. I have experienced it. He's saying, I know it because I experienced it in chapter 2 when I was in the big fish and you reached in and you saved me. I know that's your character. But he's struggling with something. He's struggling with Maybe some would say and argue that he's struggling with a hatred for Nineveh. And that he doesn't want God's compassion and grace and mercy on Nineveh. He would rather see them justified. He would rather see justice prevail in their lives rather than compassion and mercy. And he gets angry. Some might argue and say, you know what, it's about his character. Right? It's about his reputation. He's angry because his reputation is at stake. We get that. We get the idea of having our reputation at stake. Can you imagine a prophet in his day? Right, Your, your job description is to proclaim the word of the Lord. And sometimes they don't, people, God, people don't like the word. They don't want to hear it because they know it gets them where it counts. And it calls them to change. It calls them to do and be different. The role of a prophet, often we think of as someone who, you know, 
tells me what's going to happen, who prophesies the future, but more often than not, the prophet is to call people back to God. And can you imagine what it would be like for, for Jonah to go home to Israel? And Israel's arch enemy, Nineveh, has repented of all the things that they've done, all the hurt that they've caused for Israel. Oh, They'd even call him a false prophet because what he said did not take place. 40 days, Nineveh, 40 more days, and you will be overturned. It didn't take place. We don't see it take place in Jonah chapter 4. What we do see is Jonah goes east of the city, and I I picture him kind of um, taking a lawn chair of sorts, right? finding a, a hillside, and as an umbrella and maybe a, a cold drink, and he's like, okay, the show's about to begin. Let's watch the fireworks, Lord. This is going to be fantastic. Justice will prevail. Because you, God, are just. And it doesn't happen. It's almost like he's waiting for a repeat of Sodom and Gomorrah for fire to rain down from on high and to destroy these people who he has so much angst for. And I I realized something. I have to be careful when I ask for and I want and desire God's justice. I have to be very careful. Um, The last time I had an opportunity to talk about justice, God's justice and mercy and, uh, and God's grace. Uh, you might remember this story, right? It was an a evening. I was going to smoke meat one the next morning, and um, I had stored this big brisket in our youth room refrigerator, um, and I had it all set, and I needed to bring it home in the mor- that night. It was like 11 o'clock, and I came up here, picked it up, and I took it home, got it all trimmed, and on my way home, right, I, I had um, in the passenger seat a knife that I used to trim it, and it was all, like, messy. And as I made my way home, Coronado's finest pulls up behind me. And I promise you, I was praying for mercy. I was not praying for justice. For whatever I had done, right? And then <laughs> I need to stop talking and preaching about justice and mercy because Last Monday, uh, every Monday to, on uh, Monday mornings, Kim and I have opportunity to have breakfast together. And uh, last Monday, we went out to breakfast to a nice little restaurant, um, and I pulled into a, a public spot, not in Coronado, and we walked into to breakfast. And you know what I forgot to do? Pay the meter. We enjoyed a wonderful breakfast. We enjoyed it. It was wonderful. I, we come out, and I'm, we're walking back to the car. You all know this, right? You're walking back to your car, and you see the red light flashing, and you go, oh, no, mercy, 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 mercy. Oh, I got justice. And there's a little ticket on my dashboard because I sinned. I made a mistake. Now, it's not a grave one. No one died. I got a ticket, paid the fine, and justice was served. We want justice. I, I, I love uh, James Bond, right? The, the movie Goldeneye, right? 
Um, if you're a James Bond fan, you know this, the ending scene, right? You're like rooting for James Bond to take out the, the enemy, right? And there's a big battle scene, and there's a, like a big like, dish that's a satellite, and, and there's a big fight scene, and they're climbing everywhere, and they're fighting, and you're rooting for, for James Bond to win, and you want justice to prevail, and you don't want justice to prevail. You want justice to prevail the enemy right and they're fighting and to get to the last part of the the fight scene and and the, you know the villain is hanging on for dear life and then finally slips and falls 300 feet from this antenna that's that's probably about probably higher than that right and he's falling in big camera angles right you're like you see ah and then zoomed in from a camera from on top and you see the villain falling and you're like ah and then hits the ground splat and you're like, yes! No, you're like, what else can happen to the villain, right? And then all of a sudden, there's a big explosion, and the big antenna that's above him <laughs> falls and collapses and crashes on him, and you're like, yeah, now he's gone. I don't think that's justice. That's retribution. Right? When I ask for justice... Sometimes my justice goes, is not actual God's justice. It's retribution. But on the other side of it, if I'm the innocent one, I want, I want that justice to be served. And I can't help but think about Jonah as he's struggling through all of this. And he gets angry. And what a beautiful picture. And he has a conversation with God in his anger. And God just asks flat out, do you have any right to be angry, Jonah? He doesn't answer the first time. And God says, okay. I'm okay with you not answering the first time. I'm here with you in this midst, in this conversation. And when we're angry, we do some really mean things. Sometimes when we're angry, we, we lash out at people because of some goal that wasn't met or an expectation that wasn't met. And he had an expectation that wasn't met. And he had goals that weren't met. And we can really see and understand and begin not to just empathize, but relate to him. Because we get angry too, just like Jonah does. And God meets him right there. And God says, okay, I'm here. Let me teach you something about you and about me. And a, a vine comes up and gives him some shade. And then a worm comes out, eats up the vine, and it's gone. And, then a, and when that vine comes up and gives Jonah shade, he's super excited and thrilled to have the relief. But when that vine gets eaten and destroyed, he gets frustrated, and he's like, oh, it's better for me to die. And God asks him a really pointed question. Jonah, do you have any reason to be angry about the vine? You didn't tend it. You didn't care for it. And the object lesson is about a vine that he so deeply cares about. But he's missing the compassion for 120,000 who don't know their right from their left. And they're lost. He knows, ah, the parallels in Jonah are so beautiful. 
He knows that God is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger. He knows that. The king of Nineveh didn't. Oh, putting the two together and their responses makes me go, oh my, look at the comparison of the two. How do I, in my own life, experience God's grace and compassion and mercy? But don't dole it out to those who are around me because I have an unmet expectation and I'm angry about it. And I don't, I don't just want justice. I want retribution. I want people to suffer and to hurt because of what they did to me. I don't want to just get even. I want to one-up them. You see, Jonah's struggling in this conversation about anger. And God says, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? You didn't tend it. You didn't care for it. You didn't bring it up. You didn't bring the worm. You enjoyed its wonderful moment and the shade it provided. You care about the vine, but what about the 120,000 who need my compassion and my grace? You see, and I, I even struggle putting those two words together theologically, justice and mercy, how do they go together? How does God's justice and mercy play a part of each other? Justice is served on the cross for my mistakes, for my sins, for your sins, And it's through that God exercises justice and reaches into us and gives us mercy. Mercy that is new every single day for us to enjoy and to celebrate and to live into every moment of our lives. And like Jonah, who had experienced it, to then share that with others. That I think I can get behind. And I can certainly relate to Jonah and understand that anger can overcome me and make me do some... And in my anger, I do some really awful things and it takes over in my life. Maybe my, ma- my neighbor did something or my coworker made me mad or something I'm wrestling with, but God is there in the midst and says, I understand your anger. I understand you. But why are you angry? Let's get to the root of it and work through it together, Jonah. Let's get to the root of it, John, and work together through it because I'm here with you in the midst of it. You see that? The beautiful message of Jonah is that. In this fourth chapter, we see Jonah having a wonderful conversation. It's painful, it's hard. But God's there and hasn't left him. And we'll never leave him. And when I look at the big picture, I'm faced with the final question. Should I care about this great city of Nineveh? The answer to the question is absolutely yes. For those of us who know the grace and compassion of God, everything wells up in us and says, yes, Lord, you care. 
and your compassion and mercy overflows. The challenge for you and I is to be that extension to our neighbor. To be that extension to those who we might be angry about and meet them with compassion and grace because it comes from God above. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. I think it's purposeful that there is no chapter 5 in Jonah, and we're left with a question. There are only two books in all of the Old Testament, hint, hint, um, and the New Testament as well, that end with a question, and Jonah is one of them. Here's a fun search for you. Go Google. Find out what the other book is. It might have to do with Nineveh as well. You don't have to go that far, actually. But we're left with a question that is unanswered because the message of Jonah is for you and I and for Jonah to live out God's compassion for those around us, to live out mercy in real and meaningful ways to our neighbors. And we've worshiped together and we've been challenged to see our neighbor as those who are loved by God and deal with the anger and live in the conversation with God and let him work in us through it.